welcome ladies and gentlemen this is the fishing for men with mac show hello everybody welcome to the second show of fishing for men with mac it is such an honor and pleasure to have you on the show and the title of this specific episode is can fish speak now, obviously, that will make a little bit more sense as we progress throughout this podcast. Um, but have you ever wondered about it? Have you ever wondered whether fish can really communicate with each other? Today, I will be discussing one piece of evidence that is used by an atheist to disprove that someone, someone like a god, had designed the world that we live in and everything in it. So you guessed it. When I talk about fish... And whether they can speak, it's got something to do with evolution. And it brings up the question, did we come from fish? Do you believe that your ancestors were fish? Anyways, stay tuned to find out how this idea, this idea of how we came from fish, actually strengthened my belief in God. And so for our first time listeners, this is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. I'm your host, Mac. Uh, I've been a fisher of men for quite a number of years and have had many wonderful people around me that have been doing the same thing. Uh, we follow a statement that was made by Jesus according to one of his followers, Matthew, in which he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's in Matthew 4 and verse 19. When you follow Jesus, you become a fisher of men. And so we're trying to follow this example. And um, if we follow Jesus truly, then we will tell others about him. But this is not an easy task. This is really not an easy task. We must first believe in Jesus. And we meet a lot of people who does not believe in Jesus, who's got a totally different worldview. Uh, many people don't believe in God. And one of the, the opposing factors to that, obviously, is things like uh, evolution. We come across people who did believe in Jesus, but their belief was crushed when they underwent some serious troubles and trials in their lives. And many people that we meet actually um, were like churchgoers and things like that. And they don't really want anything to do with God because they've been hurt by the church. And so we thought it would be quite cool to share some of the stories uh, with you of the people that we meet, the people that we encounter and the stories uh, and the core struggles that people go through as they grapple with their faith and as they grapple with these big questions of life. Where am I coming from? Where am I going? Why do I exist? How do I know what's right and good to do in my life? So this show is about grappling with the questions of life. And it's grappling with this idea of faith in God. And maybe you don't believe in God. That's great. It's wonderful to have you on this show. And we'd like to hear your questions. This past week, we've really had some cool people that we met. Uh, I just want to share with you two of them. Uh, the one the one lady I met, uh, it was interesting. She actually uh, has to wear white clothes when she goes to uh, worship God. And her reason for that is, is that she says Jesus wore only white. That was, oh, to be honest, that's the first time that I ever heard anything like that. And the same lady also says that she's willing to share a husband with another lady. And won't that make a nice podcast one day, maybe to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, sharing a husband or sharing a wife with another partner. That's quite, quite interesting. Uh, and then there's this, this individual, this, this person in the gym where me and my fellow partner in Christ and partner in crime 
fellow fisher of men uh, where we go jump together. There's this young man. He's a, a Muslim guy and he walks around in the gym and he claps his hands trying to get people's attention. And then he makes all of these signs. And he, you know, you know, when you, when you hit, when you, when you hit to the floor, like sort of a, a, like a lightning bolt with your fingers, you know, when you snap your fingers like that, he makes those movements. He swirls at the air. He points up to heaven. He draws lines on the floor. And, you know, we, 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 we thought this guy's probably praying or something, but you know, he's quite in your face. And so we saw on Monday, we saw uh, another gentleman in the gym walk towards him and speak to him. And so my friend Theo went and, and asked this gentleman, why don't you go talk to him about? And apparently this is what he said. He asked him, well, why do you make all these gestures in the gym towards people? And you know what he said? He said, I am angry at all the people in the gym because they don't give honor and praise to Allah. And that was quite interesting. I, I would love, how would you feel about uh, us having that, on, that dude on the show one day to help understand how he, he feels about his faith and how he feels about other people? I think there's lots of stuff that we can unpack there. So he basically assumes that everybody in the gym, they don't give honor to God and it's his duty to go and uh, speak condemnation on them with symbolism and things like that. That was interesting. So just to give you some two examples just this past week of some of the things uh, that we see on a weekly basis. But today's show is about the battle between theism and atheism. It's, it touches on one of the issues between theism and atheism. And I really don't want to use big words on the show. So maybe you don't fully understand what those words mean. So I'm just going to explain it. So the Greek word for God is theos. And so theism just means that you believe there is a God. Atheism obviously believes that you believe there is no God. So uh, certainly we can't look at all the things entailed in the debate between those who believe in God and those who do not believe that there is a God. So the specific focus today will be more in the category of evolution versus creationism. So, um, you know, and we can't even touch on everything that is there to be said about creationism and evolutionism. So theists believe God created people, as simple as it is. Atheists believe people evolved. And in that sense that nature created itself. So theists believe God created fish, one kind, uh, other animals, one kind, this, the plants, and he, and he created humans, one kind. Uh, atheists believe we all come from the same um, ancestor. Everybody, everything in the world evolved from the same um, particles. So one of the biggest uh, arguments that have been labeled, labeled at atheism to prove that God does exist is the issue of what we call intelligent design. Those are important words to remember. Intelligent design. And you've heard it before. I'm sure you've heard it. Where, where, people, where Christians would say, man, look at the beautiful creation. Look at those mountains. How could those mountains just have existed by themselves look at that flower the colors that are in there and how intricately it's designed look at the process of metamorphosis of how uh, this worm turns into a butterfly i mean there has to be a god look at the intricate animals and their camouflage it's impossible that this animal can learn by itself to to, to camouflage itself 
What about the food chain that everything just works together so well that one animal feeds off another and, and the circle just continues? What about the equilibrium of the earth? How is it possible that the earth is perfectly suspended in space that rockets and stuff doesn't fly into the earth and that we can actually live here and there's great research on the variables or the the impossibility that we could actually survive on this planet all the variables are 100 percent 1 million percent correct so that we can actually breathe and have water on this uh, planet what about conception i've spoken to doctors who tell me the process of conception or, or how conception works is amazing and it blows doctors minds and then people would say look at that that's evidence that there must be a designer. Somebody intelligent had to design everything that we see in this world. And then the story is often told, and apparently there was a book written about this, about a, a, a man who walked in the field and came across a watch that was lying in the field. And the whole story is this. If you pick up a, a watch in the field, are you going to say, well, this watch made itself? Or are you going to think somebody had to design it? Well, obviously, you're going to think somebody had to design it. Well, we know that it had to be designed. Now, this could be a good argument, but many atheistic scientists dedicate themselves to prove that many of these things Christians say must have been created actually have an evolutionary background that can be proved by science. And so these scientists, these atheistic scientists would look at the beautiful things or the great things that we uh, see in nature and think uh, or, or that we that the Christians believe were created they would look at that and say no but I can I can prove that it actually evolved to that point where it's so amazing and so what's amazing is evolution not God God doesn't exist evolution provided that beauty for us now one of these scientists, I hope that you're still sticking with me. Now, one of these scientists is Professor Richard Dawkins. Professor Richard Dawkins, you might have heard of him. Um, he's an evolutionary biologist from Oxford University. So he's a big deal. And he actually wrote a book called The Blind Watchmaker to debunk intelligent design, uh, to oppose creationism and to show that the development of species including us, are unguided by any designer. So he, he really believes that we have not been designed. Um, he wrote a book about this guy walking in the field, picking up a watch, and he, and he, and he, and he obliterates that with his book. Apparently, I haven't read it. Um, and so he's a very aggressive opponent to theism and believes that religion and faith in God is a disease that needs to be exterminated. So he, de he, he despises the idea of believing in a God and a God created stuff. He writes books against it. He, he's, it's sort of he's, he's made this his life goal to oppose religion and faith in God. Now, he wrote a book called The God Delusion. And he personally. Um, so, so that book basically tells us that he believes that um, you are deluded if you do believe in God and to give you another example of how radical he is, he personally financially supported the atheist bus campaign in London, where atheists placed an advertisement on the buses of London that said, there's probably no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. 
He wanted the whole of London to see that statement. He financially contributed for those stickers on the buses. So that gives you an idea of what he's like. And by the way, this statement, there's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. I think it's going to be great to do a podcast on that as well uh, one day. Now I'm sure by now you get a picture of this man. Now let me be honest with you. He's a brilliant mind. He has a brilliant mind. He is respected, although not really by Christians or by believers in God. Uh, So I went and bought his latest book. And it is called Outgrowing God. And basically the whole book is about how it's time for us to grow up. We don't need to believe in fairy tales anymore. We know that fairies don't exist. So the same thing, we, um, we, we can grow up now. We understand where things come from. It comes from evolution. We don't need God anymore. We don't need a God to say, well, uh, he created this because we can explain it came from evolution. So I took a photo of this book and, and with some of the other books and I posted it on my Facebook uh, timeline and I wrote something to the extent of this is some nice brain candy it's a it's a word i like to say well my brain is going to enjoy reading this stuff and a family member of mine responded basically with criticism of this specific book he said the other books are nice um, but this one he he doesn't really understand why i would read that why would a, a christian go read the words of an atheist that opposes the idea of god and, and you know what my answer is just simply this truth fears no questions and i love it when questions truthful honest questions are are thrown at my faith so i like exploring that maybe he has good arguments right why am i scared to read it (laughs) am i scared that he's going to debunk what i believe in well then my faith isn't really strong right or maybe i can learn something from him right or maybe just maybe I can see a loophole or untruth in his argument that can actually strengthen my faith. And by the way, that is what happened. That is what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to encourage you. Don't be scared to look at opposing views on things. Truth fears no questions. And I have found that every time I look at opposing ideas, it tests the validity of my own ideas. If you really believe what you believe, you shouldn't be scared to look at anything else. So as I read this book by Dawkins, I came across a section that was really powerful for me and taught me something I never knew. And that is what I want to share with you today. Uh, And basically, it's about this evolution from fish to human. And it's got to do with the larynx, with your voice box. Now, you've got one of those. I've got one of those, as I'm sure that you can hear now, and it is about the recurrent laryngeal nerve. Now, that sounds uh, terribly complicated. Don't worry. It's going to be very simple. I'm going to explain it very nicely so that you can really get what this is about. Now, the book is divided into two. Part two is entitled Evolution and Beyond. His, uh, his first section in, the, in this part is entitled Surely there must be a designer. And obviously that's a a bit of a tricky question. He's trying to prove that there is no designer. He then goes into a few um, pages where he debunks the watchmaker idea that I described earlier. And then he points to various types of things in creations that shows bad design. 
So in other words, if you if you were an atheist and you wanted to prove that God did not really design stuff, what would you do? You would go and you would go look at things that apparently have been designed and then show. But look, it's designed bad. If there really was a designer, it would have looked differently. It would have operated differently. It doesn't make sense that somebody would design it that way. And so basically what he's saying is, look at this thing. Why would anyone design something like that in that way to operate like that? It doesn't make sense. He then offers an evolutionary explanation for why things are like that. All right, so he says, well, the reason why it is like that, it looks like bad design, is because it wasn't designed. It, it, it's actually a process of evolution. The reason why the animal is like this or that is because of evolution. And that's the only explanation. Because if God was really intelligent, he wouldn't have created it like that. Now, he posted some pictures of these in the book. Let me just share, I'll just share two of them with you. I just want to take the book here in front of me. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a photo here of a fish that is lying on its side. It's called a flatfish. Its mouth is vertical and its eyes are horizontal. Now, if you look at your face, your, your mouth is horizontal and your eyes are horizontal, right? But this fish is swimming on his side and his mouth is vertical and his eyes are horizontal. So I hope you can picture that. And he's looking at this and he says, designed by God, more likely designed by Picasso. So he's making a joke about it. In fact, the curious distortion of the head has evolutionary history to blame. No designer would ever have chosen this way to make a flatfish. That's just one example. So he's got lots of these examples. He's got a chameleon here. And he writes this about the chameleon. The chameleon's tongue is a beautiful natural harpoon. Note the hyoid bone inside the tubular tongue, which plays a central role in the harpoon's explosive speed. Elegant design, or is it? And so he's saying, how come a, a chameleon has got a bone in its tongue? That doesn't look like good design. Yet, to be honest, just from my side, I mean, it works. And if it works, there's a very great possibility that um, it has been designed that way. But in any case, after you discuss these examples of animals, he goes over to humans. And in page 166 to 167, he describes one of the issues with humans that he says is bad design i am going to read it to you and i promise you it's not a boring read it's just like two paragraphs all right let's go listen to this my favorite example of bad design is the recurrent laryngeal nerve the larynx is the voice box in the throat it's supplied by two nerves from the brain called the laryngeal nerves one of these, the superior laryngeal, is sensibly wired up directly from the brain to the voice box. The other one, the recurrent laryngeal, is crazy. It goes down the neck from the brain, shoots straight past the larynx, the, pl the place where it is supposed to end up, way down into the chest. There it loops around one of the main arteries attached to the heart, then whizzes straight back up the neck and finally ends up in the larynx larynx where it should have stopped on the way down in a giraffe that's quite some detour right once again this is obviously bad design but it makes perfect sense if you look at the history our ancestors were fish fish have no neck the fishy equivalent 
of the recurrent laryngeal nerve is not recurrent. It supplies one of the gills. The most direct route from the brain to the gill is behind the equivalent artery. It's not a detour at all. Later in history, when the neck started to lengthen, the nerve needed to make a slight detour. The neck got steadily longer as the generations passed, and the detour too got longer and longer. Even when the detour became absurdly long in the ancestors of the giraffe because of the way evolutionary change works, it carried on just getting longer rather than changing the route altogether to jump over the artery. A designer would have taken one look at the nerve as it passes within inches of the larynx on its way down the long neck and said, Wait a minute. That's ridiculous. I hope that you got there. I hope that you understand what I've just read. Now, this, this nerve, the recurrent laryngeal nerve, is something that we all possess. As you sit there, you possess it. All right? And when I read this, is this whole explanation, this is what came to my mind. First of all, do fish speak? If they don't have a voice box, why would they have a recurrent laryngeal nerve? Why would that nerve exist in the first place if they don't speak? It's a far stretch for my mind. But it turns out that some fish do have a larynx. But it's interesting that they don't have a laryngeal nerve connected to it. So um, it, there's a discrepancy. You need some serious faith to believe that is why we have a recurrent laryngeal nerve. So the gill, and I hope that you know what the gill is, it's on the flank of the fish. So the gill becomes the voice box. That's essentially what he's saying. An organ on your flank that helps you breathe becomes a sound mechanism in your neck with which you communicate. You would assume that if the heart moves further away from the head, the shoulders would too. It doesn't make sense. Isn't it interesting for you that, you know, as the, the, the neck lengthened over time, this nerve got stuck behind an artery. It's, it's interesting. If you told me that this nerve was attached to the lungs of the fish, it would make a little bit more sense. There's no evidence that the gills of a fish turn into a larynx into a human. So for me to believe that the reason why the recurrent laryngeal nerve goes into my chest, around my heart, and looks like bad design is because I was a fish, and that nerve stretched over time as my neck lengthened and my gills turned into my voice box. You need some really amazing faith in evolution to make sense of that and believe that. It doesn't make rational sense and there's no evidence for that at all. It's a far stretch of the imagination. And I think any rational human being can point that out. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to my punchline now. So just hang in there. But I did some research quickly and on this and I found an opposing scientific view. You can check it out on Institute for Crea Creation Re Research. Uh, they've got a website. And I, I don't want to get into that, but simply... Ask the question, is it possible that the nerve is at exactly the right place and that it was designed by God to be right there for a specific reason? Now, when I hear things, I always sift the information through my own worldview. And that brought me to this question. Didn't Jesus say something about this? And there's one sentence that Jesus said that struck me straight into my heart as I read this atheist talk about this. And that's why I decided to do this show on it. So hang in there with me. 
two of Jesus' disciples remembered a day in which he spoke out against his enemies, the Pharisees. They, they wrote down his conversation with, with them. He was basically talking to them about what they say and their words and taking responsibility for their words. He said things like a tree is recognized by its fruit. In other words, if you want to know what's inside a man, listen to his words. A good man brings out the good things stored up in him. And then he says that every person will be held accountable for every word that they've spoken. And smack back in the middle of this conversation, Jesus says the following sentence. And I would like you to listen carefully. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, everything that we've just read Dawkins say about the laryngeal nerve and the voice box and that this nerve goes around the heart. I want you to keep that in your mind. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to say what Jesus said again. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know if you can draw the lines yet, but I'm going to draw it for you. This blows my mind. Let me let me explain. There is a nerve coming down from my brain. It passes my voice box on the way down and it goes into my chest cavity. It doesn't connect. It doesn't take the shortest route to my voice box. It goes straight down. It passes. It looks like bad design. Why does it go all the way around my heart? It must be evolution. No. As it gets to the heart, it splits into one part, goes through the heart into my abdomen. That's when when I feel um, nervous or I'm in love, I feel butterflies in my tummy because that nerve is communicating with my guts from my brain the other part goes around my aortic arch now you can go google this this is the largest vein in your body this is where the blood flows from the top of your heart to the bottom at that point where this nerve goes around my heart there are fibers connected to the aorta this nerve is directly connected to the main vein in my body and then the nerve goes up and connects with my voice box now listen to what i just said and compare it to what jesus said ladies and gentlemen my voice is directly connected with my heart the blood pumping through my veins the biggest vein in my body is connected to the words that come out of my mouth now let me repeat the words that jesus said out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks Now, here's the big question. How could Jesus have made such a profound scientific and biological statement? How is it possible? Out of the overflow of the heart, he said. He uses the Greek word cardia, where we get the word cardiologist, cardiologist, right? Literally, out of the largest blood pumping vein in our bodies, words come. How could he make a statement like that? Unless he was God. Now let me tell you the significance here. I'm going to tell you because maybe you don't know this yet. The first time that this nerve, the laryngeal nerve, the recurrent laryngeal nerve was discovered and understood was in the second century. Jesus lived in the first century. This is more than a hundred years after Jesus lived. A man by the name of Galen first discovered this nerve and understood its importance. Demonstrating before the elders of Rome, he showed that cutting the recurrent laryngeal nerve in the neck caused a live pig to stop squealing. That's an extraordinary thing that 
sent shockwaves through the world from then on. In other words, Jesus himself, his words, was more than a hundred years before this nerve was was found to to be in existence. More than a hundred years before that, Jesus already knew what that nerve does when he said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your, your voice box is directly connected with the nerve to your heart and to your brain. And when your heartbeat raises, it, it releases um, it releases communication signals with your voice box. The vibrations of your heart pumping has an effect in your voice. And you've heard this many times before. When people are nervous, you can hear it in their voice. Our ears have been designed to pick up what comes out of the hearts of people. Now, let me ask this question. Intelligent design or evolution from fish? I don't have enough faith to believe that my voice box was a, was a fish gill. I don't see enough evidence to rationally believe that a nerve that connected the brain of a fish to a gill used for oxygen became one of the most complex nerves in my body connecting my words and my heart. To be honest with you, if I'm rational, on this point I see intelligent design. God made me this way. He connected my voice to my heart so that when I speak people can pick it up. So that my emotions can be expressed by the sound of my words. The recurrent laryngeal nerve. God made it pass through my heart into my gut. So that people can hear my heart when I speak. And to be honest with you, this is one of the biggest problems in our world today. Very few people speak from the heart. Let me challenge you. Listen carefully to people. You can hear when they speak from the heart. Your ears have been designed to pick up the types of frequencies that your blood flow produces and is expressed through your voice. It's amazing. So when somebody is speaking to me, their voice, the sounds that I hear from their mouth, come from vibrations in their heart. And I can hear it. That helps me to understand people better when they communicate with me. Now let me challenge you to speak from your heart. And you speak from your heart when you're honest. When you speak the truth and you really talk about what's going on inside of you. We live in a world where we try to hide what is inside of us. You can hear when people are fake, can't you? You can hear when they hide their true feelings. And what they're doing is they're disconnecting the recurrent laryngeal nerve. They, they're disconnecting the part connected to their hearts. I've been a public speaker for many years. And I've listened to many people speak. You can immediately pick it up when someone speaks from the heart. You can immediately pick it up. So how do you do that? Ladies and gentlemen, say what you want to say not what someone else has said don't say what someone else wants to hear speak from your heart and if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth it needs it means that your heart needs to change and that's the point that jesus was making to the pharisees you've got to watch your words because it indicates also what's going on in your heart that is if you do speak from your heart there are two little people in this world that speak from their heart and therefore they rob us of what they can offer. Now I've got two boys. 
One is three years old. The other one is four years old. How do you feel about kids that age? Don't we just love them? Don't, don't we just have like, there's been so many TV shows made about little kids like that, what they think, how they speak and what they say. When they speak, your heart melts. You want to hear them speak. You can't wait to hear their little words and how they think about stuff. We find young kids precious. Why? Because they speak from their hearts. They have not learned yet to hide how they really feel. They just say it as it is. And because they're so young and they have not been corrupted by evil yet, what they say is just so pure and cute and amazing. They can't lie. They just, they just. And as adults, we have learned to ignore the feelings of our hearts in conversations. Because we've realized that we need to guard our hearts, that we need to hide our hearts because the world hurts us. And perhaps this is an area where you need to look at. When last have you spoken to someone from your heart in truth and honesty? Ladies and gentlemen, we have been designed I believe we've been designed by an awesome, powerful God. He has given us the laryngeal nerve connected to our hearts so that we could communicate properly with each other from our hearts. Don't hide that from the people around you. I cannot wait for the next show. If you've listened up to this point, thank you so much. And I hope that the thoughts shared with you here would make an impact in your life and existentially make a difference as you walk with your relationships from this day forward. Have a super day. Bye.